0: In business, as leaders, we have to set the standard. That's up to us to do that. And I I believe where a lot of leaders make a mistake is they set a standard which is actually beyond the one they're prepared to set of themselves.
1: G'day everyone, I'm David Boyer and this is the CA Catalyst podcast, where we look into the needs and possibilities of the practice of tomorrow. In this series, we want you to be ready to face the type of disruption that most of our public practice accounting are facing right now, head on. And because it's a a once-in-a-generation change, Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand is here to help you. So far in this series, we've spoken about future-proofing the accounting profession, transformation through technology, technology in public practice, and the regulatory environment for public practitioners, the value chain and the trusted advisor, and at all times, we've spoken to experts and real accountants in the field. And this week's episode is no different. Here's something I believe in my bones. Leadership, even if you're born with it, is something you need to choose to do. And for chartered accountants, despite having one of the most respected business educations going round, our professional development pathway rarely includes a leadership program. With rapid change in play, changing demands from the diverse workforce, and more options than ever about what direction to take our firms in, we really need to get up to speed. So when we sat down to plan this episode, I was so excited to find out that other accountants and leadership experts thought the same way I did. The good news? They do. It seems these days, though, that everyone can be a leadership consultant. So just for you, I wanted to make sure that this show featured a leadership expert that had led rapid change. Someone who knew what high performance was. And looking around my co-working space in Collins Street, Melbourne, I noticed one office that had a whiteboard covered in ideas and sports imagery everywhere. It was the office of Cameron Schwab. Now, I'm a big Western Bulldogs fan, so I knew who Cameron was. He was the former CEO of the AFL, the Fremantle, Richmond and Melbourne football clubs. And he at first rose to that position at just 24 years of age. Cameron had to lead. He's now the founder and managing director of Design CEO. And this particular co-working space that I met him in is called Work Club. And there's a few accountants there, a few consultants, a cafe, and a fully stocked bar. This interview happened just beside that bar, so you may be able to hear some of our other members in the background. The first half of this show will be a chat with Cameron, and the second half we'll hear from Michelle Griffiths from Tag Financial, Shay Thire from BDO, Rebecca Mahalik from Business Depot, and Felicity Hill from Green Lion, as well as Mike Atkinson from Bellingham Wallace in Auckland, because there's no point in leadership theory if accountants in the field can't use it. I started off the interview with Cameron by explaining to him what the practice life is like that at some point a talented accountant will get a tap on the shoulder and ask to do some business development because they're in the partner pathway. But are leaders born or are they made?
0: Even if they're born, they're still made. You know, so there are certainly people who have natural personality traits which support their leadership, but it gives them no more, I don't think, uh guarantee of success in the role there's there certainly those who and we've all come across them where i, I say the best leaders i work with um and there, there are certainly people who you meet who are very charismatic who are you know that when they walk into the room you feel that sense that they've got something special about them and they're and they're wonderful people to be around but the great leaders are the people who make you feel good about you not making make you feel good about them in that way And that's not necessarily immediate. It doesn't come to you in the first minute or two minutes. It's it's an earned right. Mm. It's an earned respect. And if if leaders come into the role with a a distinct um, desire to honour the responsibility of leadership, I I, I think that's where the learning starts. You you realise that you have to, you need to be, a person who can be a full extension and a full expression of who you are as a person in your role as a leader. So there's a, there's a certain authenticity which which comes with that, and that talk that's get that get talk gets talked about a lot. And that doesn't matter uh, what personality type you are. That doesn't matter what uh, credentials you bring. It matters: are you prepared to bring the full version of you to
1: work as a leader? What is, you mentioned the responsibility of leadership. Most of us just think we're running our businesses. Yeah. Can you expand a bit on what the responsibility is?
0: Well, I would say that people who think they're just running their businesses are, are doing leadership. They're not being leadership. They're doing leadership because it requires it, the same way as filling in your tax returns. You know? it's, it's like ticking, ticking some sort of governance box. It's why, it's why most governance structures fail, because people just do them. They don't be them in that way. That's why you see otherwise honest organisations do dishonest things and, and I've, I've been in situations where I've been part of circumstances where you know, the organisation of which I've led has been under scrutiny for those reasons. So the key is you have to be leadership. So being leadership means that it's, it's about uh, understanding self as much as understanding the, um, the role but the other thing is, if if you're running a business, you've got however many other people who are as part of that business, who are, who are aligning their careers, they're they're giving you more hours per week than they're giving anything else in their life, by some significant amount, and so therefore you need to honour that. So if you're, are you creating an environment where you're helping people find? their own sense of meaning, their own sense of purpose, their, their feeling of belonging, their feeling of connection, uh, is, is the thing that you're creating something bigger than you. And, and that's the opportunity that we've actually got. That it might be, uh, I've got an idea for a business, but the minute someone else is actually on the payroll or someone yeah. else is actually aligning uh, you know, their career, they've made a choice to come and work for you, uh,
1: that's, that's, where, that's where it sits. The difference between doing and being leadership, yeah. very similar difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Yes. Is there and and you've explained that there is a, a role that systems and processes have in in leading. Yes. Is there a system and a process to transition from doing leadership, which I think most accountants do, because we rock yes. up and we say good morning to our staff. Yeah. And and being it. Yeah, I think there is. I think it's a
0: distinct advantage, and it's and it does come back. And I like the idea of, yeah, you know, your introduction of the learner mindset to it, because if I was actually to recruit a person on the one on the basis of one thing, it is are they a learner? And even sitting in a if you were sitting in a job interview tomorrow, uh, we would go through the normal. How are you going? Good to know you. Tell me a bit about yourself. And the first question I ask is, have you ever taught yourself anything? And I don't care if you've taught yourself how to cook or how to. You've taught yourself code, or you've taught yourself. You know, showing you something before I taught myself the Adobe system with Photoshop and InDesign and all those sorts of things. It just shows a certain mindset for a person, and I I would say that as a leader, the transition from doing to being is will boil down to: Are you a learner, firstly, but are you a learner who's prepared to be a teacher? You don't know if you really know what you've just learned until you have to teach it to someone tomorrow, and embracing teaching as a leader, I think, is the most important first step because that's ultimately what you're trying to do. And, and even if it's the the practical, I need you to te- I need to teach you these things to get the job done. But if I can teach you uh, self responsibility as someone in working for me. they're your most valuable resource all of a sudden. And that comes back to the the football high-performance world, whereas we knew we could not win consistently any team I was involved with unless we had somewhere between 10 and 15 players on our list who understood self-responsibility. And we're asking 18-, 19-, 20-year-olds to learn Mm self-responsibility. And I work with 45-year-old leaders who still haven't learnt it in their own way. And so self-responsibility as a leader is, is critical because no one's going to do your learning for you. You know, No one's going to... Yes, you can go to a course, you can go and put yourself into learning environments, but again, that's going to be at, of your own volition. And so basically, even, even the first... When someone comes into any of the programs I run, I say, this is not for you. Yes, you have to maintain a, a learner mindset coming in here, but don't think of it as a learner for your own purposes. Think of it as a learner as... What what I learned today can I teach tomorrow? That that sort of feeling, and that's not easy. And and most people, I, I can't think of anything where which is worthwhile, which is um, valuable to you and to others, which doesn't come with some form of struggle. And so, if people think they're not going to struggle their way into leadership, well well they they've just totally underestimated what it's going to mean. Mm and then from the struggle will come the learning and then the potential then of sharing that learning with other people in the form of teaching
1: what are some of your favorite tools to be leadership i
0: think it comes back to habits you know i think if if anything which is requiring any form of performance from you whether that's, okay, I would like to get fitter, well, that's going to be a habit that you create for yourself. There's no lack of data on how you do it. I have mm. never, I don't meet many people who say, yeah, I'd like to get fitter, but I don't know how. They, they know that they have to move and they have to find a way of doing it which works for them. And I'd say the same thing with with leadership. And I think, firstly, the, 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 the number one thing you have to get your head around is how you get past the busy, ha- how you deal with the busy. And... And and the line I like, it's a Seth Godin line, I think, is um, busy is the new lazy in lots of ways. It's very easy to find yourself in that place, particularly when you're a leader. You'll have no lack of busyness. But is that the best use of you? And, And I would say in almost every, on every occasion, it's not. The best use of you is how you get the best out of someone else. And the most creative thing you can do as a leader is actually establish and put together a team who is capable of fulfilling whatever your vision is for the organisation and then contributing to that vision as well. And that's, that's the power of it. So I start with a daily habit and I think it's an important one is, is just ask yourself the question each morning and do it, do it at a time. The best way to have or form a new habit is to align it to an existing habit and most people, particularly accountants I'd imagine, would walk into their office and they'd switch on their computers. That would almost be a daily habit for most people. I'd say when, when you go to switch on your computer, just give yourself a little pause and ask yourself the question, what's important? What's important? Because if, if you're not careful, what's important will be the first email that pops in onto your screen mm-hmm. when, you've, when you've opened your computer. But what's important actually might be, gee, I, I never gave that person who did that terrific bit of work for us, I never gave them the feedback that they deserve at this time, or gee, I've procrastinated over that hard conversation I should have been having with this other person about, you know, a lack of effort or a lack of professionalism or something which you, you feel as though, you know, reflected poorly on your organisation. So the first habit is a daily habit of just asking yourself what's important. And then write down a couple of things at that time. And then I've got a longer term habit, if you like, which is one every three months where you set aside three hours and you've got to do it in a very defined way you've got to put yourself into a space which is a non-distracted space and that's actually far more difficult now than perhaps it's ever been in the the attention economy that we we live in and you ask yourself three questions and the three questions are what does the role expect of me and your role as a leader is that's going to change that's going to emerge and that's why you need to do it every three months so what does this role expect of me And there'll be a technical component to that. There'll be the personal. There'll be a whole lot of elements which will come into play. The second question you ask yourself is, what do I expect of the role? Even as a business owner, you you have to be sure that the, the thing is for you what you need it to be. Because if it actually stops being that, it then potentially has a major effect on those who are working for you. You know, if you can't give it the energy and the determination and the effort that, that, that running a business or a practice requires, well, you're better off doing something else. And the final one is, what do I expect of myself? And, and that's critical because in our efforts to build our businesses or in the, our efforts to create something special for ourselves, we may actually forget other things which are very important to us. You know, it's maybe time with family. It might be a, I'm an artist as well. Am I not spending time doing art? I'm, I like writing. I'm not writing. You know, uh, I've got my kids are older, but I've still got to spend time. I'm, you know, have I run, when was the last time I rung my mum? You know, all of, all of the things which, if you're not having genuine reflections in your life, and the term I like on that one is if you get to understand what really matters, you get to put into context the things that seem to matter. And But if you're not focusing on the really matters stuff, the things that seem to matter will over, overwhelm you. And, that, and, that's the, and that's the real challenge. The minute you step into leadership roles is that the possibility of overwhelm is always there for you. And the only way you will deal with that is by actually setting aside time by which you can actually create space for yourself.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Cameron Schwab. Now, if I had to summarise Cameron's philosophy, it would be cometh the moment, cometh the leader. But does it work in practice? Well, in the next half of this show, we're going to talk to public practitioners to see if what Cameron's talking about really works out in the field. To start with, I asked Shay Thire, does she have to set aside time and choose to lead?
2: I am deliberate about choosing to lead because it's not my natural state, so... Um, everyone probably has their own views on, you know, psychological testing and all these fancy surveys we fill out that tells us a thing about ourselves. But I'm the one that, that will watch the party more happily than be on the d floor. So choosing to, I have to be quite deliberate because otherwise I don't approach it with energy and I'm, I'm incredibly transparent. So, you know, very ineffective. When I'm doing, when I'm when I'm wearing the leadership hat, if I'm not, if I haven't framed my framed like put myself in the frame of mind to do that thing. So yes, I have to be very deliberate.
1: I asked Michelle Griffiths if she worked or led, and her answer blew me away because of how client focused she is with her response.
3: Unfortunately, I do both. (laughs) I'd love to work less. Having said that, the work that I do, I'd like to think, is actually about leading my clients, is providing them with financial leadership. Um, remember that I'm I'm a chartered accountant, but I'm and I've actually grown up in tax and superannuation and all of these kind of I'll call it elements of the business, but I'm now fundamentally in the investment advisory section of our business. So, yeah, my job is providing financial leadership to our clients, but it's also about providing leadership to our team and to the business and to other accountants because that's a big part of what we do as well is actually educating other accountants on strategies and things that they be thinking about with their clients.
1: We kept chatting and so I asked her, does she need to be deliberate as a leader? Again, she started talking about her clients
3: no, I think that, and this is just for me personally, I think particularly with the clients, I think I'd, I'd probably just do that reasonably naturally. Um, with the business and with the team, once again, it tends to be my natural propensity. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of elements where you do need to be a lot more deliberate and and conscious about the leadership and the setting the example and, you know, what are they perceiving versus what am I meaning? There's, I mean, leadership is such a broad brush topic. I mean, we could we could literally talk about that for days.
1: Personally, I'd love to talk about leadership for days, but maybe a podcast isn't the best way to do it. For CA members, though, we have a great solution. If you jump onto MyCA and join the Catalyst community, you can get involved with conversations and help other people out on their leadership journeys. You never know what might happen if your experience is helpful for somebody else. Next up, I spoke to Rebecca Mahalik about leadership in her firm, and her attitude is that when you are leading through change and trying to do things that have never really been done before, leadership is about giving your staff room to make mistakes.
4: To lead change in your organisation, you have to be open to change and you have to allow your team to almost be masters of their own universe and be able to offer up solutions that are not immediately shot down. If they have no comfort that their suggestions and wishes for change or solutions to their problems are going to be heard and potentially implemented, then they will resist change not only in the new things they want to do but everything else because they will just think that this is the way it's done and this is the way it will always be done. You need to create a safe space for your team in order for them to embrace change. To make sure that your team is comfortable with change, you have to ensure that they aren't bullied or Put down if they fail in their efforts to change. They can't be called out. They can't be ridiculed. They need to feel supported. And that support needs to come from the top down so that the rest of the culture is a culture of support. I have a picture hanging up in my office that was actually gifted to me many years ago by a client. And the image is a comparison between being a leader and being a boss. And at the top is the boss sitting at a desk whipping his staff. And at the bottom is a leader in front of his team, pointing the direction and them following him.
1: At the start of this show, Cameron Schwab said that just because a leader is born doesn't mean they don't need to be made. Next up is Felicity Hill, who says that the next leader in your firm won't come from someone grinding away behind the desk.
2: I think it's a teach-by example, um, that if you see people doing it, there's kind of a natural it's kind of like the copy thing um, which which is definitely alive and well i see it in my children if i do something they copy me um, but i think i think that's um, there's got to be there's got to be a certain i guess a certain way of thinking ingrained in that person already but yeah i think to a certain extent it, it can be what you can't teach is attitude and intuition Developing future le- leaders, if I think back to my days in traditional firms, future leaders are not created by sitting behind a desk and punching out a set of compliance accounts. They're out there talking to people, they're networking. I love it when there's no one in the office, except for, don't get me wrong, except for maybe our practice manager, so someone will answer the phones. But people are out there learning and they're developing networks. Those people are future leaders.
1: I don't disagree with Felicity, but one of the barriers to being a future leader is how busy we are. I asked Mike Atkinson if he works or leads.
5: Today, it might be not a great example because I've been busy working on some projects, but typically, look, we would aim to, to lead. Uh, we can't be every everywhere for all things, for all people, um, so we, we need to get leverage in our organisation, and the only way that that works is by by leading uh, and the challenge is to make sure that you surround yourself with a, a capable team, and more so than you, uh, that want to follow the direction that you're leading them in.
1: Mike and I then started talking about getting staff ready to lead clients.
5: Look, it, it is tough because you don't want to say to them it's going to take them a number of years to get the grey hairs and battle scars. And also, sometimes clients expect that, uh, you know, from, from a client's point of view, particularly some big deals. You know, if, if you haven't done it before, it's it's difficult. I remember the the very first time I was doing a deal negotiation, and my client said, "Well, how many of these have you done before?" And it was like, well, it's a bit hard to say this is my first one." Um, and and it was, and it went well. But of course, like until you do one, you never build experience. So so there is a, a bit of a, a chicken and egg. I th- I think the way that we deal with our young guys is is really trying to involve them as much as we can into uh, into client interactions, whether that be meetings, attending board meetings, or in between finance sort of monthly meetings uh, and trying to give as much training as we possibly can in different ways and it's it's really that sort of that leading and mentoring piece um, that, that we were touching on a little bit earlier I, I do think for a lot of them though there's there needs to be a bit of a realization that you know you, you, nothing beats experience often in this game in terms of advice and uh, yes you can have technology you can speed up you're learning and you can certainly speed up your access to data. But until you've come across certain circumstances, you may not have the EQ or the ability to deal with some of those those things. Uh, so you've got you've to keep the young guys engaged and, and take them on the journey. Uh, but al- along the way, I'm, I'm sure a bunch of them will drop off because they'll think, well, I can get there quicker. Um, and there's that challenge between uh, giving them enough rope to have a go and not setting up your practice to fail because of a risk that they've created. And I I think often we insulate our young, or our team generally by being client facing. We're the ones that um, get it in the air if something hasn't gone to plan, and so we we often will tend to shield the team, and therefore that prevents some of that growth and learning opportunity. Because nothing, nothing prevents you for the real world than being slapped around a few times by a client and getting some home truths. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have time for in this
1: week's episode of the CA Catalyst podcast, Shaping the Practice of Tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this show. Leadership is so important for chartered accountants, and CA have a huge amount of resources about it. Go check out the CA library and have a look at all the leadership learning opportunities that CA offers. And like I said before, get involved with the conversation on my CA in the Catalyst group. Next up in this series, we're talking about something I'm really passionate about, business model innovation. You're going to hear about the cutting edge issues from people who are actually doing it. We're going to talk about offshoring, about technology services, pricing, fixed pricing, value pricing. Every buzzword you've heard will be dissected in the next episode. I'll see you there.